Hey guys, good morning. Glad I can be with you, encouraging you today. I'm excited about a new series that we're launching today. Um, it's around the presence of God. Um, the last two weeks, we've heard from Bill Johnson and Chris Vallaton from Bethel Church, and they both shared about their journey into experiencing the presence of God and the culture of revival and the awakening that they experienced at Bethel when they really went hard after the Lord to fully embrace and believe and to expect that God wanted to move, God wanted to show up. Um, so they just positioned their life to receive, um, to open their life up, to embrace it. And they went on a journey with the Lord and with a group of people that were like-minded and since that time of the last 20 years, they've seen an incredible, incredible move of God that's still happening every day, that's impacted the lives of so many, which has brought really a culture of signs, wonders, miracles, the supernatural, the prophetic healing, um, spiritual happenings, dreams and visions, encounters with God, experiences with God that have brought transformation to so many. And um, I'm just so thankful. Lee and I went to the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry and our lives were radically impacted. And um, I'm just so thankful for those two messages. Um, and, and now I get to share my perspective of it and really launch this new series that we're going to do until the start of August, which is the presence of God, the presence. Before that, we did our Bible series, which I felt was really, really great. Um, Heaven to earth requires heavenly thinking and heavenly thinking requires heavenly thoughts and heavenly thoughts requires heavenly hearing. And if we want to hear, we've got to read the words of Christ um, because faith comes by hearing. So we went on a journey of really what's the elementary part to heaven coming to earth and it's hearing, it's faith causing hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And we went on a journey and what, what are we meant to hear? It's the words of Christ, the, the word of God, the Bible. And we went on a really long journey with that. And it's been incredible. Testimonies of, of were flooding in about um, a, a passion for the scriptures because everything we do in the kingdom, we launch off what he's said. Like what he's said gives us permission. It gives us the green light into what he wants to do and what he is saying moment to moment, day to day, when we're out and about. So if we don't know what he's said, then we can't know what he's saying. If we don't know what he's said, we can't sing out a new song. If we don't know what he's said, we can't confidently pray for the sick. So knowing what he said is the fuel, the foundation, the platform, the launching pad into the life of the kingdom. So he laid that foundation. The point of the Bible is to lead us into an experience. It's to lead us into an encounter with the author. That's what we're about. To experience God, to experience God, to know God. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life. Jesus said to know God the one and true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Wow, that's so good. So presence, we're going to talk about presence. We're going to talk about presence. It's everything. It's our how. You would be fully aware of our vision and communication model. It's a why, how, what model. The, the why is heaven to earth. The why is the reason and purpose for our existence as a church. You know that. 
Our why, our reason, our purpose is heaven to earth. But every why needs a how. How does it happen? It doesn't just happen. The why and the vision and the dream and the goal and the mission statement, it's all great. But it remains just words if there's no how to accompany the why. And our how is presence, health and influence. So if presence, health and influence transpire and play out, we know that heaven is coming to earth. Heaven coming to earth must be practical. It's got to be measurable. It's got to be tangible. Otherwise, it's just a lofty thought and we wonder and we hope and we are not sure. There's uncertainty around it. But if we can attach a how to the why, then it starts to gain traction and we can pinpoint how heaven comes to earth. Because often it's a, it's a large thought up here and often it's how does it affect my daily life? Well, let me tell you that the how of our church is presence, health and influence. And that's all about your daily life. It's all about my daily life. This is not about a two hours on a Sunday. This whole Echo Church deal is not about us meeting for two hours on a Sunday morning. It's about the six days of the week. I love Sunday. But for me, Sunday is about coming together and celebrating what he did during the week and expecting what he's going to do during the next week. It's about encouraging each other, um, mourning with those who mourn, encouraging those who, who need encouragement, cheering them on, championing, worshiping together corporately, praying together corporately. Where two or more gather, there I am in the midst. I love Sundays, but I tell you what, church is not, a, it's, it's a very small percentage of what we're all about. It's a very small percentage of what we're about. And I believe that God's gonna continually adjust our mindset to what church is all about because it's not about meeting it's about um, us being the hands and feet of jesus the other six days of the week the other six days of the week and that's where the kingdom the heaven to earth deal the words of jesus deal the this is what i expect jesus said deal that you bring heaven to earth this side of eternity i want you to push and go after as much as you can get the goal is heaven to earth, this side of eternity, as much as we can get. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But how is it gonna happen? It's presence, health and influence. It's the moment to moment, it's the daily life of presence, health and influence. What I'd love to do, I, we've got our vision and communication booklet. It's been available for a year and it's on our website. If you're unsure about our vision and communication model, the why is heaven to earth, the how is presence, health and influence, and the what is simply all the things that we do. The what is all the things that we simply do. The why is the reason and purpose for the existence of our church, that's the why. The how, these are the foundations and filters by which we do everything. When believed and applied, we will see our why become a reality. The goal is having our why become a reality. And then we have our what. These are the specific activities we put in place to help bring our how to life. So what we're doing right now is a what. When you go to the small group, it's a what. What does a what do? The what enables our how. So when we meet in a small group, it's presence, health and influence. Of course, it looks different. It's not all just serious. It's fun, it's communication, it's connection, it's food, it's fun, it's banter, but it's going after the Lord, it's praying, it's worshiping, it's praying for each other if they're sick. So every time we meet, 
is a what. What we're doing now, the filming, is a what. It's the specific actions we take, activities which we put in place to help bring our how to life. So what are we doing right now? We're all sitting down, we've had worship, we've had announcements, we've had offering, we've been talking about life in the kingdom, our church. This is our what. But what's our what doing? Our what is housing and helping our how come to life because we're talking about presence and health and influence and testimonies. And these lists of those three things are vast. So I love what the Lord has done and stirred us with in the area of presence. And now I'd love to read part of our how, the presence element, so that we can all know what we mean, what we all mean when we say presence. Because it's a vast topic. It's a vast subject. There's so much to Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. We're going to delve into who He is and what He's about and what He has for us. Because John 3.34 says that I've given my spirit without limitation. So let's read this list. Presence is our up. Health is our in and influence is our out. So here we go. Presence. Presence is our up. It's our love for God. It's us looking up, looking at Him. It's us lifting our heads. It's us focusing and fixing our eyes upon Him. It's our worship, our praise, our passion, and our thanksgiving. It's us knowing we can always approach Him with freedom and confidence. It's our face-to-face encounters with Him. It's us placing value, honor, and worth upon Him. It's our personal pursuit of him. It's us truly knowing him. It's our relationship and our connection with Jesus. It's our intimacy and our abiding. It's our secret place and it's our every place. It's us spending time with him and it's us continually turning our affection toward him. It's our communication with him. It's our spiritual side, our immaterial side. It's the part that connects with him. It's spirit to spirit. It's us experiencing Him. It's how we develop our relationship and our history with Him. It's our anchor, our source, and our everything. The presence of God. The presence of God. And I love when we take a snapshot of the Bible and how the Old Testament was pointing toward Jesus. There were so many prophecies. There were so many promises that were pointing to a day We saw the Garden of Eden and the Lord set it up with um, a perfection and unity and face-to-face relationship with Adam and Eve. We know what happened, disobedience, choosing um, to disobey God and choosing to follow the devil and to partner with the devil because of lies. And then that spiraled that all out of control and Adam really gave authority over to the enemy. And the enemy took a hold of that. But we know that there was promises and prophecies straight away saying that there would come one um, who would become the seed of the woman and redeem all things. So I love that the New Testament, although it was a funky and challenging time for people and trust and obeying and aligning with God and believing God. And we see highs and lows and men of God rise up and then men of God fall and evil and good, this battle, but there was always the remnant, this this ongoing, growing and um, 
heading towards the one, the son, the, the chosen one, the Messiah that would come. And the prophecies and promises around the promise of God, the Holy Spirit, and the promise of God, the Son that would come and, and reveal who the Father is and to tangibly do life and teach and, and, and not only teach and yap and shout with fancy words, but got down in the dust with mankind and rescued and redeemed and did miracles and demonstrated. So he mixed the teaching with the miracles, which is the most attractive thing on the planet when someone can speak and back it up with what they do. Their life backs up and confirms who they are and what they've been talking about. It's the most attractive thing. The world is longing for a people who would do what they say, not just say what they do. It's a big deal. And Jesus modeled it perfectly. He came to show you what is possible for you to live like because you're redeemed. He came to reveal what is possible when a person is in right relationship with God. So he began teaching and demonstrating, teaching and miracles, miracles and teaching. And it was just one big, beautiful, full gospel presentation by the one that was prophesied about and promised to come. And he went on this journey with the disciples and taught them and taught them and, and demonstrated and demonstrated and pushed them out. He gave them authority in Matthew 10 and said, don't take a bag, don't take silver and gold. I want you to go and announce the gospel of the kingdom, the full package of what is available now. I want you to cleanse the dead, cast out demons, heal the sick. And I want you to do all this and announce that the kingdom is within reach. I want you to do this. So he didn't just do it and said, watch me. He said, guys, do it. He empowered them. But then he said this crazy, amazing thing. He said, I've got to go. He goes, my time's coming to an end on this earth. And they were freaked out, terrified, upset, shattered, broken. And we can see it by Peter cutting off the guard's ear, protecting Jesus. But it was part of the will of God. Remember, Jesus said, if it's not... If it's not my will, let your will be done. He didn't want to do it either. But he knew it was the will of God that he go, that he die. He, take, he takes the sin of the world, that he, that, he, that he made a way for connection again for the world. And he went and he told the disciples, I'm going and it's going to be better than I go because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And they didn't have a grid for it. But he said, this is better. I'm around you, but he's coming in you. The spirit that we're one with and that have been one with for all of eternity, John 17, 3, the glory which we shared for eternity past and eternity now and eternity present, this glorious union of the Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit that I've shared forever, that's going to be in you. It's better than I, that I go. And they didn't get it. And we read here in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Jesus, after the resurrection... Remember, he was on the earth for 40 days. Remember at the cross, like graves were, people got out of graves and was raised to life. That resurrection, this is not a nice philosophy. This is a supernatural experience. So this is Jesus teaching in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, just before he ascended into heaven. Um, in verse 4, it says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. 
which he said you heard from me. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit many days, um, not many days from now. So he, there was promises and prophecies around Jesus coming and the Holy Spirit coming. Jesus taught on it. He modeled it. He announced that he had to go and the Holy Spirit would come. They had their model prayer. They had their, their grid and their lens for what was possible, which was heaven to earth. Jesus tagged them and said, you're it. And he said in John 14, 12, guys, truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, if you have faith in me and what I have been doing, you guys will do greater works than me. In Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to me. The keys I've taken back from the enemy because Adam gave them to the enemy. I've taken them back from the enemy on the cross. And now I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Go and preach the gospel of the kingdom and raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers and announce that the kingdom of God is now within reach because I died and rose again from the cross. And this is the plan. And he comes to this point just before the ascension and he says, guys, this is the tipping point. I've set you up with the heaven to earth message. I've set you up with who the father is. You've encountered the one that you've been taught about for years and you've experienced him now. I've set you up. But for me to properly set you up, I must go. And I'm telling you, you've got to wait in Jerusalem until the promise, the one that your soul and your spirit and your body has been crying out for, you've got to wait until he comes. Because you've got to be filled, you've got to be touched, you've got to be clothed with fire, you've got to be clothed with power. Man, this is exciting. So Jesus commanded them to stay because he said, hey, this is going to be the fuel for heaven to earth. I mean, this is the fuel to read the Bible, the Holy Spirit. You can't read the Bible properly, accurately and confidently unless you have the Holy Spirit. It's confusing and contradictory in many parts. But once you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth guides you into all truth and you start to read the scriptures. And that's, no, it's not conflicting. It's not contradictory because it's being illuminated to me by the Spirit. It's the same with heaven to earth. We cannot do this with human understanding. It's not reasonable or logical to pull someone out of a wheelchair and say, get up and walk after 38 years like Jesus did. But he said, I've come to be the model, the perfect example of what a person can live like because I became a man so that you can live this life too. Acts chapter one, here we go, the promise. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together, come on, 2020, together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house. Wow, it filled the house. The sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, it filled the house, the upper room where they were sitting. Then, they, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, appeared and settled on each of them. The, the a roaring sound from heaven and then fire appeared and settled on them. That's two encounters that are absolutely unreasonable. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's three. Roar of heaven, sound like a roaring windstorm, fire settled on them. 
It filled the room, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's three. And they began speaking in other languages. That's four. As the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Verse six, when they heard the noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So the presence fell, the roar of heaven, fire settled on them. It filled the house, it filled them, and they began speaking in native languages and spiritual utterances as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. There were 10 to 15 tribes and tongues and, 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 and languages. And, and these believers start to speak in perfect dialect of those languages and, and everyone heard and they came running. Let me just say this, often in church we say we've got to be careful about the presence and outpouring because we want to be attractive to unbelievers. And I'm like, actually the Bible here says that there was the most craziest, wildest encounters that the world had ever seen in the church in this crazy political um, full-on time of attack and oppression and just chaos. The presence dropped and fell and blew up in a great way and everyone came running to what was happening. And I just prophesy this, that as the presence starts to outpour more and more and more, that people will come running to the church. And they were amazed and they started saying, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? In verse 13, it said, they stood there and they were amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They said to each other. And others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying that they're just drunk. That's all. And then I love what happened. Peter, the pastor, Peter, the pastor got up. He knew he had to explain a few things. He knew he had to um, empathize with the curiosity, with the fear, with the, I'm not sure if this is God. He had to pastor the situation. He went on a journey with Jesus. He, he understood the prophecies and the promises and the teaching and the demonstrations. He knew the command. He knew the warning to stay and wait. He knew that he was going to be empowered. And he's, he's just sort of on the fly going, man, oh, this is that. This is that. This is what Joel prophesied. I've got to get up and explain it because they know Joel. They've been taught with Joel and the prophets. So I've got to get up and explain to them because everyone's freaking out and this is a mess, but I've got to get up and explain. So Peter beautifully passed it. I love this because this is my heart. I love to explain and articulate um, what's happening in the room. Often when it's a bit weird or people are laughing or people are falling over, I'm like, this is that, this is God. It's okay. Verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. They backed him and he shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. They were drunk. They were intoxicated with the presence of God. But Peter said, these people are not drunk. I love other translations. These people are not drunk as you suppose. As some of you are assuming, it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's too early for that. Verse 16, no. What you see happening now, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he begins to read verbatim the prophecy of Joel in Joel 2, 28 to 31. And he gets up and he reads it. He goes, guys, this is that which Joel 
prophesied. This is the fulfillment of what Joel prophesied. And he said, in the last days, he reads Joel, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Come on, who receives that? In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I'm going to read that again. So he gets up and he explains. I'm excited. Look at my hands. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Man, this is incredible. It was wild. People were freaking out. And Peter got up and said, guys, this is that. Let me explain it. This is a prophecy and you are here experiencing it and seeing it play out and being fulfilled. What an experience. So then Peter went on and explained like the history of God. And then he explained about Jesus coming and what they did to him. You killed the author of life. Like he's going to town on them. You did this to Jesus. And now this is the promise fulfilled. And they said, the Bible says, and their hearts were pierced. So they were seeing supernatural activity, encounters, experiences, spiritual happenings that were wild. And then Peter got up and spoke and preached and announced and explained. And the combo of the preaching and the teaching and the articulation and the spirit and the presence and the encounters and the experience come together and form the full gospel. And when the full gospel is presented, then people are transformed. People are lit up. People experience the fullness of who God is. They experience the, the, the integrity of the Godhead. They experience the way it was meant to be. It was not just meant to be speaking. It was not just meant to be wild presence. It was meant to be this beautiful, um, this beautiful relationship that Jesus modeled perfectly with teaching and presence. And we've gone on a journey of teaching and now we're going on a journey of presence. And it's not one or the other, it is both. And we're learning how to do them both. We honor both. Both are needed in the name of Jesus. So their hearts were pierced and they said, what should we do? What do we need to do? They're like begging, what do we need to do? And Peter said, you gotta repent. You gotta repent and you've gotta be baptized for the forgiveness for the forgiveness of your sin. You've got to repent and you've got to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. Two things. Often we think forgiveness and repentance are the same thing. They're not the same thing. Forgiveness, just as you've never sinned. You're justified. The sins are removed and you're justified freely by His grace. Forgiveness. Um, forgiven. Past, present and future sin. Erased. Removed. Uh, never to be remembered, never to be held against you. The Bible says multiple times. Um, he rejoices in um, good. He doesn't keep any records of wrong. Forgiveness of sin. But repentance is different. Often we just become forgiven, but we stand in the doorway of forgiveness. But repentance is another step into the kingdom. What's repentance? It's the word metanoia, and it means to change the way that you think. Is it only that? No, it's not only that. Change the way that you think, which affects your actions and behavior. 
So it affects all of your life when we repent. It's doing a 180. It's turning from this way of thinking, this way of speaking, this way of doing, this way of behaving, and it's turning around and changing the way that we think. Is it an intellectual decision? No. Is it a cognitive decision? No. Is it a um, reasonable, sensible decision? No. How does repentance happen? It's from an encounter where we actually embrace the fact that we need to change the way that we think and we say, God, I need to come close to you because you think extremely different about this situation than I do. So Peter's explaining, guys, you've got to jump up to God's level of thinking in this situation so that you can embrace what he wants to do. If you don't actually go on a journey and repent and change the way that you think, because you've had a, a lens, you've had an old covenant mindset of how God moves, how God touches, how God breathes, how God fills, how God appoints, how God anoints, how God chooses, how God empowers. And you've got this Old Testament mindset and I'm telling you guys, this is that. The last days have now been launched and we're in the most exciting time in history where we get to be tagged by Jesus and actually start to live like him until he comes back for the second time. And he wants us to pull heaven down on the earth. But if you don't actually embrace the presence and get filled and clothed and baptized and blessed and um, touched by the presence, and it's an ongoing filling all the days of your life where the flow of grace is in and out all the time. If you don't actually position yourself to change the way that you think, to embrace this new way of thinking, this new covenant, this new testament, this new operating system, you are going to miss out. And, and not only are you going to miss out, you're going to reject it. You will actually oppose it. You will actually offensively oppose it. You will be on the offense. You won't be passive. It'll offend you so much that you'll actually go against it. You'll say that miracles don't exist. You'll say that the presence is only just Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you. And there's no encounter. There's no experience. It's all logos. It's all, yes, we've just got to do this. And we've just got to hang on till Jesus comes back. But Peter is saying, guys, we've all got to repent. This is wild. And if you continue the way that you're going right now, you're going to miss it. You've got to adjust. Holy Spirit, as I begin to close, I ask that you would help us adjust. You would help us repent. That repent is not a harsh word. It's an invitation into your kindness. Romans 2.4 It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's His kindness. The word is from the word grace, charis. It's the grace of God. It's the enablement of God. His kindness gives us the ability to repent. His kindness goes out and it causes us to change the way that we think. We have encounters with His character and nature and it changes the way that we think. And we get to go, wow, this is that. I want it. I'm hungry. I've been praying for God and He's moving differently. So I've got to keep in step with the Spirit. I've got to repent. I've got to continually change the way that we think. Bill Johnson says that one of the most critical points in seeing the kingdom come to earth and growing in the Lord and keeping in step with the Spirit is continual repentance. Forgiveness is this incredible one-time thing where we're forgiven. But repentance is this ongoing decision every single day. If we're not aware that we're repenting every day, then... Um, I would challenge that. 
we've got to be aware we're repenting every day during this sermon like where i would hope that we're repenting the whole time in worship we're repenting again it's not harsh we've had that word programmed in our head that you suck and you better grovel and cry um, and beg god to forgive you it's, it's not the word repentance is not sorry is there remorse attached to repentance the word yes there is because we, we we see how god thinks and is and then we know how we think and am and are and we go i want to bridge that gap repentance is bridging the gap so that we think like god and i'll tell you what this presence deal this list in here this fuel for heaven to earth this ability to read the scriptures this this being absolutely undone and overshadowed like mary was with the presence of god to do the assignment which she was called to do and we're now overshadowed with his presence so that we can do the assignment that he's given to each one of us the specific assignment needs the overshadowing of the presence it needs the outpouring of the grace and if we are so accustomed to how we want him to move in a nice neat box we are going to miss it and then when it actually happens we will get offended we will get offended when he starts touching our friends we will get offended and we'll say that's not god because he doesn't move like that in me i tell you what he often offends the mind to reveal the heart and as a church we're going on a journey my goal is not to get as weird as possible my goal as the pastor is not to create a circus my goal is not to see how weird we can get my goal is to not um, just think of strange stupid things that we can do that make everyone feel uncomfortable no no my heart our heart is to pursue the heart of the father is to look at the scriptures um, and to go on a journey of repentance which again is not a harsh word. It's a beautiful invitation to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can embrace everything that God has for us. We want everything that God has for us. And often the change, the adjusting, the newness, the things that we've got to work on, and it's always internal. There's reasons why we get offended when someone falls over and laughs mid-service. We get uncomfortable, the fear, um, and the insecurities and the hurt and the pain and all kinds of things come to the surface. And if we don't actually deal with them, then we're just going to be trying to push them down when that happens. And we block ourselves off, we build a wall up and we say that's not God. And we actually miss out on what God wants to do. Because someone else's breakthrough is an invitation for us. Because he's no respecter of persons. Is it going to look exactly the same? No. Maybe. Awesome if it does but probably not because he knows you so well. It might be just this internal rocking, this internal renewing, this internal adjusting, this calibration that happens internally. He knows what you need, but if we block ourselves off to all that stuff and just be okay with how we want him to move, then we're gonna, we're gonna struggle with um, this whole kingdom deal this expectation of power flowing from your life and ministering to people and encountering God in new ways. Old ways don't open up new doors. And what we're really believing for is that we're, we're building a wineskin. I wanna close with this. And next week, I'm gonna be talking about my experience with the presence of God um, that offended me, um, that I shut off to it and I built a wall up against it because God was moving in a room with a thousand people and it was different to what I'd ever experienced and I was offended. I was full of fear and I didn't know what to do and I 
emailed my Revolver Group pastor at Bethel and I've still got the emails that I went on a dialogue with her because um, I just, I said this, I hate this, I hate this. And, and she got to encourage me and explain that there's no pressure to feel that or be that or do that. But it's about pursuing the heart of the Father and going on a journey with Him of hunger and humility. Hunger and humility are really key points. Hunger and humility um, will actually position us to embrace what God wants to do, not what we want Him to do. Hunger and humility actually allow us to go on a journey of actually letting people into our life and helping us on our soul journey of becoming healthy and whole. I tell you what, the signs and wonders and the miracles and the prophetic and the spiritual happenings and the visions and the dreams and the influence and the, the external works and the influence, honestly, compared to the issues of the internal is easy. If we can continually work on our inner world, on our health, on our wholeness, on dealing with stuff and not stuffing stuff down, then this whole outpouring presence, Holy Spirit, encounters, experiences, Bible, blessing people, it's going to be way easier. It's going to be so much easier. But often we don't deal with our soul and we just want all the external and it just doesn't work like that. Because God will blow up in a room and mess people up and laugh and cry and touch people like he did throughout the whole Bible. And all of a sudden we just expect him to, to just be nice and neat and orderly and only move the way that we want him to. And it's like this weird deception. And when, we, when he starts to move outside of it, we freak out and we hide and we run off and we get scared. And that's because we've just stopped working on the reasons. The gold and this incredible thing that God wants to do is he wants to actually answer why you're scared and heal. And again, this doesn't have to look like anything. There's no exact picture of what it should look like. But if we've got it locked in that we can only move like this, we are going to miss out and we don't get the full picture. We don't get the full story. We don't get the full gospel. And us as a church, um, we are committed to going on the journey and taking up Jesus on his words that said, heaven come to earth. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So next week, I'm going to be sharing about my journey of being really offended and hurt by an experience that I had in 2012. And it was the catalyst for me to become hungry and humble and to embrace everything that God wanted to do in my life. And since then, the fruit has been incredible. So I'm going to pray for you guys. Yeah. So thank you, Father. Yeah, we thank you, God, for the story of you. And we thank you that you've included us in this story. Yeah, we're, we're fascinated by it. We're humbled by it. We're excited by it. Yeah, this whole idea, truth, reality of the presence of God. God, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we want to be open. We want to be humble. We want to embrace what you want to do. I thank you that you've been taking us on a journey of honoring each other. And that's part of it. When God moves on another person, we don't get offended and judge them. And allow fears and insecurities to kick up. But we actually prefer the best about that person. And we prefer the best about you, God. That it was actually you. And that person is genuine. We prefer the best. We presume the best. So this whole journey is not just a presence deal. It's a health deal. It's a soul deal. It's a heart deal. So I thank you, God, that you're taking us on a journey of the scriptures. You're taking us on a journey of the soul and our health and heart 
and what's going on on the inside of us. And then you're taking us on a journey of the presence of God showing up and touching and transforming and renewing our mind so that we can embrace the new move of God which you have for us and which you have for the world because it's exciting times. There's a lot of craziness going on, but we've never been more excited. There's never been more people born again every day. There's never been more people healed every day. There's never been more revivals happening all over the world than right now. Do we acknowledge that it could be pretty crazy everywhere right now? Yep, not could be, it is. It's crazy, it's full on. But I thank you God that you're moving more now than you ever have. And I thank you that you've pulled us into this incredible story and you've empowered us, released grace on us and poured out your presence and invited us in to teach and release your presence everywhere we go. And I thank you for the journey in Jesus' name. Amen.